welcome back to Feed the Post. I'm Joe Jackson, your host, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Aiden Koontz. Aiden, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. Coming off a big week for Purdue basketball, and uh, we haven't recorded in a little while. We had some nice time off with our, our respective families, and now it's kind of back to work. Today's the first day of classes. Uh, last last first day for me here at Purdue, so nice, nice. Uh, looking forward to that and getting getting the semester rolling just like Purdue's been rolling yeah for sure so yeah um you know a little peek behind the curtain the plan is for this podcast to do roughly one Purdue and one Big Ten episode a week um I would say pretty confidently we'll have at least one Purdue episode a week in most weeks of Big Ten episode um just you know based on schedule stuff like that we both have classes Aiden's coaching all that stuff so but yeah no really um Obviously, Purdue takes their first loss of the season. They lose to Rutgers by one, but then bounce back with two really big road wins uh, at Ohio State and at the Palestra, which is base was basically a home game for Penn State. Um, you know, the Ohio State game comes on a game winner from from Fletcher Lawyer, and Penn State just is a just the best that Purdue's looked that second half specifically. That best yep. Purdue's looked since probably PK eighty five. Um, yep, but. So what were you just kind of, you know, your overall thoughts of the of the week? We'll get into more game specifics coming up, but just overall thoughts. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a great week for Purdue. Um, I think they really needed a wake-up call like the Rutgers loss. Um, it seemed like after PK, they had gotten into a – gotten a little bit out of rhythm um, with some exceptions. I thought, you know, the Minnesota game, they played fairly well. And some obviously some of those bye games, it's like, what do you take from this? But – um, specifically Nebraska and Davidson, it's like, okay, they're leaving a little bit to be desired. And, you know, I think just sometimes you can get into stretches where you're not, um, not firing on all cylinders, kind of get bogged down. Um, in, in fact, for some of these guys, it might even get a little boring, right? When you are seeing Davidson on the schedule or Nebraska on the schedule, you know, and, and, uh, and the challenge for the coach, like for the challenge for coach painter is how to get them to, to lock in every day and it's really more about that than anything else and uh losing that Rutgers game I thought really sparked this team specifically Braden Smith to that they need you know you can lose you know um you're not just gonna blow through this entire season and keep escaping you know some of those games that maybe they could have lost specifically Nebraska and so then to go to Ohio State and to go to Penn State you know, arguably the most difficult back-to-back of the year for Purdue, especially given the quick turnaround time. Um, you know, they don't come back home. They go out to Columbus, get a great, you know, last-second win with Lawyer hitting the shot, albeit against a, a Zed Keyless Ohio State. And then, um, you know, don't come home, go to Philly, play at the Palestra, obviously a much difficult, a much more difficult environment than what the Bryce Jordan Center would have been. And so, you know, that and, – and Penn State, I don't, I don't think they're a great team, but they're – they're a good team and Purdue made them look pretty, pretty bad in that second half there. So I was, I was really excited about the week, super excited about the play of the, of the two freshmen and, and Braden Smith in particular. And uh, I think it was a really good week for Purdue. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the Rutgers lost. It's tough, but it's, it's not the worst thing. Um, obviously you wish it came on the road and not at home. Yeah. Just for, you know, for seating purposes come later and all that stuff. But yeah, really good bounce back. Purdue's looking, you know, they they showed the they showed the PK eighty five Purdue again. Yeah, um, like you said, they've been missing it, and I, you know, to a degree, I can get it. Um, like you said, like when you come off of playing Duke, Gonzaga, West Virginia, all within four days, and then it's like 
Florida and uh, Nebraska, Davidson, like, you know, um, it, it's harder in a 30 game season to get up for those games at points. Um, but, you know, kind of a wake up call specifically to Smith and we'll, we'll get into Smith later. Um, but a couple other just random key points that I think were important throughout the week is the rotation's definitely at nine now. Um, I don't think Waddell played any of the, I don't think he played a minute in any of the three games. He didn't, no. Um, so it's definitely nine and it's, it's, and there's going to be games where it's closer to eights, like, you know, TKR, it's just going to be matchup dependent. Jenkins is going to be matchup dependent. Um, and yeah, I think Newman and Gill is coming off the benches. They're going to get their run every game. Yeah. Um, yep. And then what was the other? Oh, the three point shot starting to fall. We'll get into that more, but that that's the big, that's the huge thing. Just, mm-hmm. you know, first half of Rutgers really struggled. First half of Ohio state really struggled. Aside from that shots were falling, just big. And then also just, quietly Purdue didn't get to the line a ton the last two games um you know something smaller but it's just kind of worth noting that just kind of that I've noticed from the past week so uh, we can get into it first with the Rutgers game so 65 to 64 loss at home against Rutgers um you know first Purdue's first loss of the year first conference loss um right there and there's still very poor first half but we're able to fight back in the second half and even take the lead with what was it? 10 seconds left off of the lawyer three. Um, yep. and, you know, Rutgers comes down, hits a three. And, but what were you kind of your thoughts through that game? I just thought, I thought the game was, was lost because of the way Braden Smith played. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to just minimize it to that. Cause it was a variety of, of, I guess you could say issues. Um, but I think, you know, he, he was a freshman and, and or he is a freshman and, and going into that game, I'm not sure he, he looked quite prepared for the physicality that Rutgers was going to bring, you know, pushing you out, um, being physical with you on the perimeter, pushing you all the way out past the three point line. Like it becomes really hard to run offense when you're, you're pushed all the way out to the volleyball line and you're trying to initiate your stuff from there, you know? And, you know, I, I thought it was just a, it was a wake up call for him and, and he missed a shot early and just seemed to kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of went into a shell a little bit. Um, I thought he, there were chances for him to maybe take shots that he just passed up on. And I thought Ruck, Rutgers really executed their game plan soundly, which was, you know, um, take try to take Edie away and make us make Purdue beat you with the three, uh, which is risky at Mackey, you know. Um, Purdue can get on runs and and it starts to get really ugly at times for the other team because, you know, you think about that Minnesota run they had where it just, you know, they feed off the energy of the crowd and particularly the three-point shooters feed off the energy of the crowd or they have in the past. Um, but that gamble kind of worked for Rutgers and and they were never trying to blow Purdue out. You know, it was they were always trying to just have this where it was, which was a close game in the final couple minutes. And then they just executed better than Purdue down the stretch. Uh, they got to what they wanted with that wide Chicago action, you know, pin and down zoom action at whatever you want to call it, where, you know, Mulcahy just feasted. Um, really, I just, I, I thought that lack of attempt, lack of execution defensively down the stretch when they had some, you know, they had some energy. It felt like maybe Purdue was going to kind of grab the game and then they just couldn't get stops enough down the stretch. And Mulcahy was, was the MVP of the game, I thought, and, and using his physicality, um, you know, they, they were supposed to go under on, on those, some of those wide pin downs into handoffs. And, and they just, they were trying to chase over 
Uh, and then that that lack of execution was really obviously a lim- uh, heightened or highlighted, I guess I should say, at the, on the last play where I guess Painter said it was just pistol, which is just a little handoff and uh, just kind of play off that. And um, Painter, had Painter, I guess, had told him in the huddle to switch. So Smith switches on to Mulcahy and then, you know, Ethan Morton's on Cam Spencer, Rutgers elite shooter, and just left him for, for whatever reason, probably worried about Mulcahy backing down Smith. But obviously, in that situation, when you're when you're up two, uh, two two is better than three, and and two is not even a guarantee because you have one of the nation's best rim protectors behind you. So um, yeah, just just kind of a surprising lack of execution. I thought uh, kind of everyone got out of rhythm, and that was what Rutgers tried to do. I thought Rutgers played a great great game, and maybe even kind of kind of set the bar a little high for what they actually are. Like I think that was one of their better efforts that we'll probably see. And, and so obviously that's a, shown by yesterday where they lose to Iowa at home, you know? So uh, it was a good week though. Or the Rutgers game, I, I think was a great wake up call, but it was a frustrating game in the moment. Certainly. Yeah. It's like, I think there's a good chance we look back at the Rutgers game and almost view it as a net positive. Um, and I guess, you know, depending on seating and all that, maybe we don't, but like yeah, said, that doesn't just... bother me as much. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I yeah. care more about what they're doing now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and they're, you know, if this if the loss to, by one point to Rutgers fuels, you know, a five, six-game win streak in the Big Ten, that kind of almost just if, – if they win, if they can rattle off five more, like, it's not doesn't lock it up, but it's going to get there pretty quick for the Big Ten. Um, getting ahead of myself there, but, yeah, <laughs> I agree. This was the first game that the lack of de- attention to detail, you know, lack of focus um, just bit them. It was, it was enough, and that's going to come yeah. against Rutgers. You know, Rutgers plays – their starting lineup is a senior, junior – so three seniors and two juniors, and then they bring a junior and a freshman off the bench. Um, you know, very experienced. Been – you know, a lot of these guys have been to the NCAA tournament a couple times now, have had success. Um, you know, he's, he's just – Peichel's just building a really good program over there. Um, you know, oh, yeah. they're a team that – they're a team I'm glad kind of Purdue doesn't have to play again. Um <laughs> To an extent, I, I would like a rematch just to see, like, in February if Purdue's improved in that aspect, specifically handling the length and physicality. This was the first game Smith just, you know, he looked like a freshman. Um, and, you know, when he has he has six seven pretty much on him at all times, six seven physical, strong. Um, it, it's, gonna, you know, that's, that's a tough matchup for Smith. That's a tough matchup for Lawyer. Those, those are for really anybody. But specifically them is more a little bit more undersized, smaller guards. Um, and I think this was the first game that that really bit them too. Another thing that I noticed was just, well, obviously the turnovers and that's kind of was an underlying theme for all three games this week is Purdue just kind of hurt themselves with turnovers. Um, but on top of that, specifically in the Rutgers game, this was the first game I believe all year that they didn't like, they turned the ball over a lot and they didn't like dominate rebounding. Um, mm-hmm. usually it's they don't usually it's at least been one of them mainly it's been rebounding that they've just been dominant in um, and they only you know they only out rebounded Rutgers by three they had 12 off 12 offensive compared to Rutgers 11 and 22 defensive compared to Rutgers 20 um, so pretty much a wash there and that, that's a you know that Purdue's one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country I think what they number two or something like that per Ken Palm um, yeah yeah number two per Ken Palm so not having that is huge, especially when a lot of the offensive rebounding is Edie and then he's getting putbacks. Um, you know, I thought Rutgers did a pretty good job on Edie, just, you know, 
it's as it's kind of been the blueprint is like if you have a bunch of length you can at least slow Edie down to an extent you know he still had 19 points 11 rebounds three assists and two blocks so it's like what are you gonna you know it's, it's not like you're shutting him out but you make right. life difficult force others to start hitting and, and Purdue didn't um 211 from three in the first half they did finally get it going in the second half which made me feel more confident going forward they've hit five of 12 threes Newman really got going um but Rutgers just hit tough shots too I think you know I think this will be one of Rutgers better offensive games on the year especially in the Big Ten they hit some tough shots. Like you said, their execution down the stretch was just big. Um, okay. He got to what he wanted in Chicago action, like you said. Um, and what hurt big was, you know, Painter mentioned it in his post game was I think twice. Mulcahy gets to that eight foot floater, just short arms it, but then gets his offensive rebound and puts it right back up. Um, you know, that's that a was a brutal game. one. That one was so brutal. Yep. Four, four points. It was, I think, I believe it was twice, but there was a definitely one big one, like with a minute and a half left or something like that. Um, just you know kills the momentum for Purdue if they get a stop there come down and score it's it's a much much different ball game um, yeah. but you know that's that's something that Purdue's going to have to figure out I don't know how many more teams they play with even close to that much length I guess Iowa kind of comes to mind although sure. they're not like a defensive team not at the five um, though yeah yeah and yeah. that's true too so yeah I, you know if Purdue just thinking you know Purdue makes the postseason like there's a chance they run into some super long team and like, what are they going to do? Um, right. Thinking back, like I'm trying to think back to West Virginia. Was West Virginia a super long team? Uh, they, had a, they had a couple shorter guards, right? Yeah. Their guards are smaller, Tucson and Stevenson, but yeah, like they're not Marquette, like a, Marquette is Marquette, fairly yeah. long, you know, but yeah. Kovac is, you know, and they don't have a rim protector. So yeah, I, there are some teams that, that like you said, that are like Rutgers, but on steroids, like, yeah. because they have scores that if we ran into in March would be very, very difficult for Purdue to play against like Arizona or, oh, yeah. you know, Kansas, even with their big wings, you know, yeah. and I was just thinking watching Kansas, by the way, I was just thinking, what if Purdue had Grady Dick running off those, those Chicago funny. actions and, and stuff like that? Like that is that guy, like if painter ever can get this program to the place where you can start landing guys like that, like five stars who fit exactly what we want to do. Oh man, look out. But uh yeah, I think I think it laid up a, a blueprint of like, okay, this is the type of team that could really give us some trouble in March and maybe, you know, maybe some other big ten teams. I, I don't know. I, I just think more that that's more of a March concern. You yeah. Know? And even then, you know, well, obviously Rutgers is not an elite offensive team, but even then Purdue still loses by one. Um it's not yeah, like they right. got blown out. Right. Um, you know, we're both I think we're both in agreement that this was what their worst game. A lot of lack of attention to detail and focus, but like still only lose by one. And they were up two with 10 seconds left. Um, yeah. And still scored. I mean, it's not like and still got a good shot after that too. Yeah. Like, and got a, a great new- look for an elite shooter that could have gone in. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so it showed, I think a little bit how, how good Purdue is a little bit in that they could play that poorly and still, you know, but as I said, like, I don't know that any Purdue Rutgers game would be a blowout for Rutgers, you know, just because nah. of the talent disparity and and how they play, but yeah, um, and not. I mean, we'll I we'll talk about Rutgers more in the Big Ten. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to really blow out teams. Um, yeah, no, they don't. Unless they, they force like thirty-five turnovers, which they can do. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, so you got anything else? We move on. 
No, we can move on to Ohio State and more talk about the good stuff here. Yeah, we'll get into get into some good thoughts. Uh, oh, actually, no, I have one last thing about the Rutgers yeah. game. Um, it was a break game. I was at last year's. I, well, I was at this year's break game too. I was at the Purdue Rutgers game last year. I was at Purdue Wisconsin, and Mackey right. was dead. Johnny Davis just torched Purdue, thirty-seven points. Mackey right. was dead, and I was just like, oh man, like this is just going to be another like whatever crowd at Mackey, like you know should be the toughest environment or i think you know like the toughest environment in the country or yeah. one of them yeah um, but man that crowd was electric at Rutgers. right the pretty record like 122 decibels um specifically that second half um you know once purdue got rolling a little bit it was it was the loudest i've heard it all year so i just you know for as much as, I, as i've kind of thrown shade at the break games crowds um you know i, I do have to give them their respect for that because that was right that was impressive how loud it got and it takes away that excuse, you know, like last year, I think a lot of Purdue fans, probably myself included, kind of used that as yeah. a Wisconsin game when it was actually just Johnny Davis went crazy. Just and this year, nuts. it's actually just, you know, Rutgers played a hell of a game. Yep. So you just yeah. kind of have to tip your hat, I think. For sure. Yeah, no, Rutgers got the full full Mackey environment, which is, you know, yep. I think they're built for that, too. They, they enjoy that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Moving on to Ohio State, which was three days after the Rutgers game. Um, Purdue wins 71 to 69 at Ohio State. Um, first 15 minutes was tough. You know, Purdue started two for or one for eight or, or 0 for eight, something like that um, from three. And then just, you know, shots started to fall and then, then the game changed. This was also a Smith was super aggressive game um, against Rutgers. Smith took three shots against Ohio State. He took 10. Um, six assists, one turnover to go with that. Sixteen points for Smith. This was the this was the first game per Ken Palm that uh, Edie was not the MVP in the game he played in. So this one actually went to Smith. Yeah. Um, but you know, just a really another just really really good second half. Um, really even really the last five minutes on, and that started because threes. Jenkins comes in, drills a three and late late second uh, shot clock. Gives Purdue some juice, you know, and then they had that stretch where they hit three threes in a matter of like a minute. And mm-hmm. that just kind of, you know, that took him from down 10 or 12 to down three, pretty much going into half. And so now it's it's a manageable game. Um, I think Ohio State, you know, Sensabaugh specifically, dude's a bucket. He just, he just yeah. is. Uh, he had some tough shots. And, you know, there's, there's some shots. There's definitely some defensive breakdowns. I'm not saying that there was, but there were some shots that Sensabaugh is just like, all right, he's a pro, like, He's just going to hit those shots. Um, I thought Morton did fine. And then the second half, you know, water found its level a little bit. He, you know, still got his some, but, um, but Purdue, you know, f- finds a way. Um, I think the game really just flipped when Purdue started knocking out shots. The defense then was better. Brain got, became super, super aggressive. Like I said, 10 shots, run some pick and roll. Um, I think this was another game that early physicality caused, you know, specifically lawyer problems you know the first half was lawyers worst first half of the season and yeah. i don't think that's close um yeah. Yeah. and you know and pain you know painter started jenkins over lawyer which we kind of we were you know we both thought might happen or something like that we were both saying you might have to go to jenkins um and lawyer just you know it, it worked it got lawyer kind of snapped back in he had a big second half hits the uh, game winner with about 10 seconds left off a kick out um overall this also this was Purdue's worst just post-entry passing game, period. Oh, my gosh. There's just Morton, Lawyer, even Smith a little bit, um, just couldn't get to what they wanted, which is just rare. You don't see that from Purdue, especially because I don't think – I mean, I think Ohio State did solid defensively. I don't think they were doing anything crazy other than just 
reacting well. Um, yeah, and it was it was hard. They're to per- tell. And perimeter defense. I think they were kind of pressuring the ball handlers, which helps. Yeah, and I think it, but it seemed like a clear. I mean, obviously, it's an emphasis to to you know get the ball out of the post, and and the best way to do that really is just pressure the ball, right? Like IU did to us last year, and it got us out of rhythm at their place, at least certainly, and somewhat at our place where they were just really on on the ball, up in your grill, high hands, you know, making that post-entry pass difficult. It's interesting, Ohio State, it almost seemed they took an opposite approach where they sagged off, and they, they just found a perfect balance between making the shooter uncomfortable and preventing the pass from going in. Because you would think, oh, just, just take the shot when you sag off. But they were great about getting the ball handler to pick it up and then they would kind of, you know, jump back and show their hands. Yeah. And, and they just ended up getting their hands on a lot of balls that, like you said, we hadn't really seen before. Um, they were a lot better against Penn State in that area. Um, yeah. Ohio State, obviously, not known for being a great defensive team. But uh, they did a nice job, I thought, at parts. They had a pretty good game plan. Um, it's just, yeah, like you said, that, that stretch near the, the end of the first half that was spurred by Braden you know, that gets the steal, gets the transition three where he just pulls the trigger, you know, and we've seen in that situation, like he'll, he'll bring it out and get us into a set or whatever. That was high school Braden right there. Do what? That was, high, that, yeah. It was. That was high school Braden. Yep. It was. And we've seen a lot more of that, which is just taking the FU shots off the ball screen, you know, like I'm going to shoot this dagger and it just he seems to have a not a knack for hitting really important shots in the flow of the game. You mm-hmm. know, it's not that he's taken that many, but even like Penn State, he just hits the first one and we're like, all right, we're off. You know, like he just they go under, nope, sorry, you can't do that against me. You know, and then Ohio State, he just seemed to hit the big ones. The corner three was big, where I don't even remember what point of the game that was, but um I think early second half maybe. And then he like looks at the guy or whatever and oh, like, with against suing, yeah. Yeah. He tries to help him up. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought in that game, yeah, I think Braden's aggression really really kind of won the day. And and uh I thought Morton played a, a other than his turnovers, which were really bad. Um yeah. I, I you know, and it's hard to just ignore four bad turnovers, especially in the second half where he just totally missed Edie for a wide open dunk and they never get that slip and they got it and Edie slip into the rim just with with green grass ahead of him so to speak and Morton just chucks it out of bounds you know it's hard to miss that big of a target on that play but Morton did it and uh certainly he had some struggles but he comes up with that huge steal late he hit just enough of his shots you know he was just aggressive enough it felt like even though he's two for seven from three um mm-hmm. the big one coming late in the game where he just got a perfect feet set rhythm uh, above the break three that he knocked down. He had a, a couple weird finishes, that first finish he had. Well, oh, he, had yeah. a, he had the one weird finish at the start of the game where he just kind of chucked it in or whatever. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought he had a nice game, and he had a pretty good week overall. And like you said, lawyer coming in, just not being gun shy, even though he had a bad – you know, shoot, shooters like that got to have a short memory. And yeah. uh, and Jenkins, Jenkins really uh, – Really, I mean, he had a. This doesn't matter. Of offensive rating is really bad for one game, but he had two thirty-eight offensive rating <laughs> for that game. So uh, he was an instant offense, and that's what you're looking for from him. And he hasn't provided it enough. So for him to do that in a big game was huge for this team. I think. Yeah. No. And going back to Fletch, like 
I have his stats pulled up. 0 for 6 in the first half, 0 for 2 from 3. One assist, four turnovers in wow. 13 minutes. Yeah, Second brutal. half, yeah, just brutal. Second half, 11 points, 4 or 6 overall, 3 of 4 from 3, and then no turnovers in 12 minutes. Um, you know, didn't start, came off the bench, didn't matter. He just got locked back in and and then, you know, he I think he hit his first one of the second half, and that's just got to be a, a relief for him too. Um, yeah. I also, you'll notice, especially in that first half, and I think this was one of the first time that it's happened all year. You can correct me if you, you know, think or remember otherwise, but Ohio State was hedging their Chicago action. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that really threw Lawyer off too, because he's used to just getting in rhythm, you mm-hmm. know, being able to come off either and then just kind of survey, you know, go downhill, get to his pull up, whatever. Um, and Ohio State hedged. Now in the second half, you know, I think Lawyer was more ready for that. And his man or some, I think it was either his man hedged or the big hedged coming off the Chicago action, which is that pin down into the handoff. Right. Um, and lawyer almost just flares it right at the end gets to, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's a long two, but it was in rhythm drills it. Um, I think he was, he was just ready to play, which is, you know, it's just, that's just so big. Like he's such a good shooter. We know he's a better shooter than what his percentage has shown. I think he's up to like 35% of the year now, which is yeah. much better than what it was at. Um, but yeah, and I do think, Sorry to cut you off, but no, I do good. think uh, that Chicago this year is a little bit harder to guard. Even though we had Sasha last year, now we have two guys who can get downhill yeah. and who want to get downhill off of it. And you have to respect their gravity as, as three-point shooters, but those guys can just create in a way – they just create smartly, you know? Yeah. And and that was something we didn't have a lot of last year. We had insane level of creation from Jaden, but it wasn't always smart creation – you know, looking at uh, Braden specifically, and this isn't really regarding Chicago, but um, looking at Braden and ball screens, which was a big piece of the Ohio State game. Um, according to Synergy, he's at on on pick and rolls, including passes. He's got 163 possessions, and he's at a, a little bit over a point per possession, which is a pretty good number. It compares pretty favorably. It's top 40 in the country. Um, so, you know, I mean, he, he – our guys are effective off that and not just as scorers. Both guys yeah. have great touch around the rim. I mean, lawyer can really hit those floaters and, and tough twos at times. He's a great mid-range shooter. Smith is. He doesn't shoot him as much as he should, but he's a great pull-up two-point shooter. He's a great guy with floaters. And and even though he's missed more than he should at the rim this year, but um, he can really finish at the rim, and he's a lot quicker than a lot of people, people give him credit for. So I think those are – those are really hard to guard this year, man, with with E and just that they're, you know, they became a staple for Klein and Sasha and they still will be for, for Fletch. But I think he just has so much more juice off the dribble than those two guys. Yeah. And and then getting Braden into him. I love when they go, you think it's for Fletch and then he just sprints through and Braden comes and gets it. Like that's just got to be a nightmare for defenses to guard. So you know, and the, the Hoop Vision channel that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with did a video on, as he calls it, Zoom. We call it Chicago. Purdue calls it Butler action. Um, all these different terms. But, uh, you know, he did a video on that yesterday. And obviously that's become a staple of the, the Purdue offense. Yeah, for sure. I definitely recommend anybody go watch that if you haven't, especially if you're a little confused on what Chicago action is. Um, you know, I've cleared up for you. It's only 10 yeah, minutes. Too, so. Yeah. 10 minutes. Hoop vision 68 on Twitter. Um, definitely go, go watch that. Uh, speaking to Sasha getting downhill. I love Sasha. So this is not a diss on him at all. 
Uh, last year he took 67 twos and 229 threes. Thompson also got, you know, some of that Chicago ran. He took 25 twos and 85 threes. And we're comparing that to this year. So Sasha took 67 twos all last year. Lawyers at 67 twos already and a hundred threes. Um, so yeah, you know, Sasha was 52 twos and 48 threes. Yeah. And Sasha was 38% from three, which is a, a, a really good number, but there were games last year where he, you know, it just, yeah, the threat the, wasn't the there. The variance of it, you know, and I think the more when you can get paint touches, um, that that's going to create better looks than even Sasha, you know, coming off Chicago, not always having his shoulders square. You know, some of those were became pretty tough shots yeah. by nature of him being a tough shot maker. He was you're more than happy with him taking them, yeah. you know, but this year, I think just more of an emphasis on playing inside out, not just through the post, but also through guards who can get downhill and then are able to to make good decisions off that. And even Fletch like is getting more ball screens now. So I think they're beginning to trust him as a passer as well. He's an excellent passer. Yeah. Um, despite what you would think if you watch that Ohio State first half. He was just uh I mean, the one where he just threw it way over Edie's head. I'm like, wow, that it really had to be a that really had to be pretty high to miss that guy. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so overall, you know, huge comeback win, 71-69. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? Ohio State? I'm good. I, I was really ex- excited about that win. And obviously, yeah. uh, Joe and I are doing this Boilers in the Stands postgame show with um, Greg Braggs and Craig Bowers. And um, we were we did our first one after that Ohio State game. It was a good one to do it after because it was a big win for Purdue that will likely have, you know, Big Ten implications. It, it That team is very good. And, and even though they lost to Maryland, they didn't have Zed Key and they didn't have Zed Key against us. So. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a productive player who may not have been the biggest problem for us because of his his stature. He's like six, eight or whatever, maybe smaller at the center position. But at the same time, like that could I mean, if you ask Ken Palm, he would say they're the biggest threat to Purdue in the Big Ten. And uh, that was an important win. If you hadn't have gotten that, that would have really opened the door for them to to make this a, a two horse race. And I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. But when you look at the projected schedules, um, Purdue is has a very easy one so yeah uh, at least comparatively it's not easy in the big 10 i'm not trying to say that but you know comparatively to the other big 10 teams it's pretty easy and ohio state would have had i don't want to say the inside track because they do have a pretty difficult schedule but if they had gotten that game like now you know you really got to beat them at home and so i I, it was an important win for purdue yeah for sure no it's it's maybe the biggest of the year maybe the biggest of the year really no we were saying like that you know that's arguably produced toughest game all year um but heading in you know three days later then they go to the palestra play penn state they get a 76 to 63 w um ed lawyer and smith combined for 62 of the 76 points which ed led the way with 30 and 16 uh what were your just let you take this one first i know this was a game yeah. we were both excited for what were your, your thoughts about this game yeah this was a, a nice performance for purdue i thought one of their more complete games of the year um I think we both think pretty highly of Penn State and, um, you know, for Purdue to weather the storm and play well in the first half um, and then just really assert their dominance in the second half. Um, it felt to me that they really won the, you know, when you have a, a game like this where one team wants to play five out and runs a bunch of ghost screens and gets gets their shooters open looks, wants to get out and run and, you know, you got Purdue, who's just so excruciatingly slow. 
you know, you look at, you know, Purdue's 319th in, ad in adjusted tempo and Penn State's, well, they're 279th, but, you know, I think the way they play, you know, I think a lot of that is because of the picket stuff, you know, backing guys down. But um, I don't know. I just felt like Purdue really took the game um, from a, a style of play standpoint and made it theirs. Um, Braden Smith, another unbelievable game where, like, most games he would be the MVP, but of course Edie has three thirty and thirteen, so it's like he has to be, you know. But you watch the game and you realize that most of those looks were created by Braden or Fletch or whoever getting him the ball. And um, I thought Purdue really, you know, we talked about this last night, but Coach Painter's been reluctant to run a lot of ball screen offense in his time at Purdue, and it seems that with this kid, Braden Smith, he's he's going to be willing to do that because he's just simply one of the elite ball screen players in the country right now, as far as a, a handler of it. And I thought last night, Purdue, you know, I haven't gone back and rewatched it, but uh, just saw first look, like I, I felt like Purdue mixed up their ball screens pretty well. They got into it in different ways. Um, they would throw a Spain in there, which they got an easy dunk off of, of course, that being a back screen from on the rollers, man. Um and then, but they didn't do that every time, you know, and, and they would do just a, you know, obviously their staple is just the early transition ball screen, the drag yeah. screen that Edie's really good at setting that. Actually, he sets it a little lower than a lot of guys would, but he kind of gets it so that you can get downhill off of it on the guy's back kind of at an angle. Whereas a lot of guys would just set that at like the volleyball line and it, you can, it's so easy to go under, but Edie really is good about waiting until Braden gets to you know, what for him is the scoring area, meaning just right outside the three-point line where he can hit from. And then it becomes really hard to guard. But yeah, I thought I, I'd like to go back and look at the at least the ball screen possessions because it felt like Painter mixed up how they got into him, just like he mixes mm -hmm. up getting Edie touches. And um felt like Painter <laughs> sucks because we love Shrews, but it felt like Painter outclassed his uh his apprentice in Shrewsbury really last night. He, he was locked in Painter as he's been all year. Just really, this staff has done an unbelievable job. And and that was a showcase last night because yep. they wanted to play a certain way. Penn State wanted to play a different way. And Purdue made it so that they were playing Purdue's game the whole way, even when Pickett was scoring. And and Pickett had a crazy game in the first half. He's an unbelievable player. And like Painter said last night in his post game, like all the reporters wanted to talk about was Morton's defense on him and Newman's defense on him. And Painter made the comment of like, well, he must be pretty good if we're talking about all these guys playing great defense. And he still scored 26 um, and eight, eight assists and five rebounds, like, or nine rebounds. Nine like rebounds. Guys, yeah. guys, a stat sheet stuffer. He's just a total stud. And, and another year, he'd be the Big Ten player of the year. But fortunately, Zach Eady exists for him. So uh, it, yeah. it was a great game for Purdue. It was one of their best showings of the year. And certainly that second half, where in the first 10 minutes, they go 27 to nine, just shut the palestra up you know, get, get Penn state really frustrated, started to point fingers at the officials started to kind of lose their minds a little bit and get them out yeah. of what they wanted to do. And then of course, Purdue just held serve for the last 10 minutes, you know, really, really good. Purdue is at, at just closing games like that, where they're up by 10, you don't see them lose those leads. Why? Because of Braden Smith and, and that offense last year, you could see Purdue lose a lead like they did against Iowa because frankly, Eric Hunter's just not, nearly as good as Braden Smith is this year. You yeah. Know, we love no. Eric, but yeah, you yeah, know, no, we, we love Eric, but for sure. Smith's just like, he's doing this as a freshman. Um, poise, poise, like just, just controls the game. He really does. This was 
Um, this was another game, you know, Purdue was down at half by four or six, um, six four, yeah. I think. Six, six. yeah. Six. Seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was another one. Um, I felt, you know, similar to the, in the Ohio State game of like, yeah, they're down, but like, I don't know what too, too much that they're going to change. Like, obviously there was things to fix, turnovers, things like that. Um, the defense a little bit, but it was another one. It was just like, they played fine in the first half and Penn State just hit shots that Purdue didn't. Um, and I, I, you know, I fully believe that once you give Purdue 40 minutes, like Edie's just going to wear people down. Smith's going to yep. just get going. Like in the long run, I, I trust Purdue. Um, Pickett was insane. 26, eight and nine, like you said, like just nuts. He, he hit some tough threes that he maybe doesn't normally hit. Um, I think the first half Purdue seems a little more hesitant. And when Pickett was um, getting a ball screen, they didn't quite know if they wanted to switch, if they wanted to stick through it or what exactly. Um, you know, a couple of times Edie got kind of late switched onto Pickett, I thought. Yeah. And that was when Pickett hit a couple threes because, you know, he, maybe Pickett took him in the paint once, but you're not going to take Edie in the paint too, too much. Right. Um, but then the second half, Morton, you know, uh, Morton did play much better, I think, on defense. Um, you know, I think he really got through screens and, and, did what he could to shut Pickett down. And then once that happens, Penn State then had to rely a lot on hitting tough shots, and they just weren't there that second half. Um, the the three-man game on offense between Smith, Lawyer, and Edie, just just I don't know how you guard it. I don't know what you do, especially with Najai, who's, you know, he's a freshman. I think he has good potential. I don't think he's ready for the role right now of what he was tasked to do. Um, uh, you know, nobody really is against ED, but especially, you know, Jai, I think he, I think he needs another year or two before he can get close to that level. Um, and you saw it. There's a few times, you know, Purdue would run four straight pick and rolls, four possessions and score. And Najai just put his hands up. Like, what am I supposed to do? I have to stay on ED. And then if there's, or I have to stay in this drop coverage, cause I have to contain Smith and then I have to get back to ED, but then the lob's already there. And there was, you know, a lot of time, oftentimes, I should, I guess I should have specified to start this. The three man game was a Smith Edie pick and roll where Edie was rolling to uh, the side where only Purdue had one player, which was lawyer always, and lawyer was lifting. Um, and so, what that does is it forces lawyer's man to have to decide whether he wants to stick more to lawyer or if he wants to tag Edie on the roll. Um, and sometimes he tagged, sometimes he didn't. When he didn't tag, it was, it was almost an automatic Smith bucket or a lob to Edie. Um, and then if the couple times he did tag, it's a kick out to lawyer who just drilled him and mm -hmm. just, I, you know, looked at the stats a little bit, including passes. There was 21 pick and rolls that uh, like ended in a shot attempt. Uh, Edie had eight of those. He went seven of eight for 14 points on when he was the role man, which is just insane efficiency. <laughs> um, Smith, you know, got his off of, I think he had like nine points off of pick and roll or something like that from what I saw. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just elite. You know, Smith, uh, 15 points, six rebounds, seven assists. The seven assists is tied for his most in, on the season. Just another game that he just dissected the defense, and there was not a ton that Penn State could do. Like, undersize, um, you know, don't have the strength against ED, and then you just have to decide whether you want to give up two or three points pretty much. Right, right. Yeah, it, it becomes really hard to guard, and, um, you know, just to specify, I mean, I think most people know this, so I don't want to mansplain, but I will say that, like, the reason you lift is because now it's from the wing and not the corner that the guy would have to tag, right? It Firstly, it's a shorter distance from the corner to tag Edie. And secondly, it's 
uh, easier pass to make to from Smith to the wing than to the corner. So now he can make it just as easily probably because we've seen him do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, and a lot of times it was Andrew Funk as the tag man, and there's just not, he's just not going to do anything with Edie. So I think he just decided, it seemed like, or he just wasn't aware that he need, you know, that he was just going to stick with lawyer. And, uh, and I think they never made Smith take the shot. Um, and I think that speaks to NGI a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he couldn't really figure out how to like, you know, toe that line of good drop coverage where you're making it sort of a difficult look for Smith, but also taking away the role. Now it helps that Edie's probably, I mean, I'd say he's the most effective role man in the country right now um, because yeah. he's just a truck and he just, he, he, brushes off tags like they're nothing you know what what was andrew funk gonna tag him he's foot shorter than him i mean it's just like basic and his hands are so good that you can really just kind of throw it up and smith has really mastered that we saw that what was it the first game of the year was it the scrimmage where he had that over the head was that marquette actually where he had that it was marquette over the head lob right and it was like whoa like and he's just mastered that the play before the play, kind of even throwing it sometimes before Edie gets there. Yep. And he he it maybe took him a little bit to adjust. Like as I've said, he's had he had a like six five big man in, in high school. But if you watched his high school film, you could tell this was coming. Um yep. he just he never got to play until his senior year with with a big, like literally with any big, with any kind of role gravity. And then they got one his senior year, at least, you know, for the high school level, a kid who's probably going to be a D2 kid. He's there right now at Westfield. And and Smith was unlocked in that regard. And, and now it's just saying that, but multiply it by whatever. You know, now it's yeah. the National Player of the Year, elite role man. Um, you know, Smith, I, I have it filtered by top 100 opponents, and he's got a 30% assist rate in those games, which is really, I mean, just solid, you know, yeah. um, just a, a – and he's turned it over. He's got a 23% turnover rate too. Um, 13% defensive rebounding rate in those games, which is pretty solid for a point guard, especially a six foot point guard running in, you know, starting the break that way. Um, he had a few nice transition passes. Just speaking about the week as a whole, Smith's week as a whole. I mean, the one to Morton was ridiculous that he traveled on. Yeah. Um, that was just more didn't expect it. He, he always makes you know, finds the open man, whether the, I don't want to say makes the right play because really in that Morton one wouldn't have been the right play, quote unquote. And why it wasn't was because he surprised him and made him travel a little bit, but like, he's always going to find you and he's going to, if you're open, he's going to find you. Um, we've seen lawyer and him unlock a little bit of their chemistry in transition. You know, the one where he looked the other way and hit lawyer on the wing for what was seemed like a dagger three at the time against Penn state. And it just speaks to, why I pulled up his on off stuff. Cause I really feel like it's just so different when he's not the, the point guard mm-hmm. running the show. And even Morton, who some people talked about made a brutal decision last night in transition where he tried to fit it into a tight window. Um, when he was a ball handler in transition, when he had a wide open lawyer three and he just tried to, or maybe it wasn't lawyer or somebody else, but he just, I think it was Smith actually who was open for three in the wing spotting up. And he just tries to fit it into, into, I think a rolling Gillis. It just was a bad decision, and it, it, it seemed like it was going to spark a run for them, and I think Lawyer banged a three or somebody kind of extinguished it to make it, I think, 50 to 50 to 42 or 50 to 44, something like that, and Shrewsbury had to call a timeout. Um, but, yeah, other than the – the it's pretty – it's a simple recap for the Penn State game because it it it's it's that, you know, Pickett got, went crazy during the, the 
second 10 minute stretch. They had 27 points Penn state did in that second 10 minute stretch. Yep. And then in all the other, in the other 30 minutes of the game, they had a combined quick math, 36 points. Nice. So, you know, like they really Purdue just, just, just dominated the game. And it just happened to be a couple, you know, like you said, late switches, those got them into trouble. Um, they just, they couldn't execute. And in that stretch was a brutal five minute stretch by the bench unit where yeah. nothing was going right. And it just felt like they had to get Smith back in there. And during that stretch, they, they had a difficult time scoring, you know, Smith comes back in, they start to pick it right back up. And, uh, and just again, Pickett was hitting shots, crazy shots up until the buzzer where he hit that scoop shot. And then they come out in the, in the second half and just kind of remind them, you know, why they're the, the better team and, and one of the better teams in the country. Um, looking forward, like you said, last night to the, the rematch here. Uh, it's yeah. fun to watch those guys at Penn State. We're rooting for them. Really hope they get that Indiana win on, on Wednesday. That would be a nice one for them to get. Yeah. Um, you feel kind of bad because this was a big chance for Penn State to boost its tournament resume, which is dwindling by the, by the game here. Yeah. They've lost uh, two in a row after beating Iowa, which that might age well. Um, but certainly they'll have their chances in the Big Ten to to come away with some some good wins. But uh, there's a few that really could have gone their way, that Bob Tech game, the Clemson double OT game. And, uh, you know, if they had had both of those in the bag, they'd look a lot better right now for the tournament. But right now they're kind of on thin ice. So hopefully they can uh, regroup here. They got, got IU, Wisconsin, Nebraska, home away home. So a uh, good chance maybe to get back on track with those games. Yeah, for sure. Um, one last thing, and I think, you know, I want to keep this just like a one, two minute thing. Morton's got a lot of talk this week. You know, he went two for seven from three. People are, you know, sometimes people lines. don't, yeah. yeah, people don't understand the impact he has defensively. I hope it was seen a little bit more in the Penn State game. He didn't attempt a shot and still had, you know, I would say one of the better games for Purdue. Um, what are, or I'll just start with mine. Morton's got to shoot the open threes. Like, I don't care if he's missing right now. Um, Maybe if it's like a clutch moment, sure. Um, but just in the flow of the game, I think he's still got to take the wide open ones just to keep the offense moving. I don't, I just don't think if he come, if he becomes, if he truly becomes the point where players sag off and just don't care about him, then I think, you know, that's going to be a little bit tougher for Purdue to overcome. Um, I don't know what your thoughts exactly are, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like, my thoughts are Purdue needs to not get themselves into situ late clock situations where he's getting the kick out. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it's fine. I think against Penn State, he was awesome attacking closeouts. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. still haven't found a way to like, you know, we call it closeout short, right? Like, don't, if you don't respect the guy, closeout short, don't let him drive. Right. Yep. But it's still because usually he's just being left wide open. It's still a, a long closeout for guys. And he's so good at ripping, right? Like, like jabbing or ripping and just and using the defender's, you know, gravity against him as he's closing out or using his momentum against him, I guess would be the better word. And last night he was so good about playing off two in the lane, making the right decisions in the lane. He had so uh, several possessions where he got inside, just got to two feet, got balanced, made the right play and kept the offense going so that we could get it into the hands of somebody who is a threat. Um, you know, I think he only ended up with two assists. But like you said, he wasn't a liability against Penn State. Even no. though he didn't take a shot, they couldn't – they didn't find a way um, – you know, they, they weren't able to do what Ohio State did, which was make Ethan 
really have to shoot it. And, and so I think if they can find ways, you know, and, and I think most of what it is, is, is painter and the staff figuring out that when you go late clock to Edie on the post up, how do we get that? So where Ethan's man isn't doubling and, Mm. you know, we saw it against Ohio state in the final play of the game that you and I have talked about where they, they rotate Ethan over to the far side and then they get into the set so that now Ethan's man has got the longest run. If he's going to go and double Edie. And yep. I saw actually the Fishers high school basketball coach um, of Jalen Harrelson, who's a five-star prospect. He was, he was on Twitter complaining. Well, I would have brought a weak side double on that last play. And it's like, well, yeah, you would have, but it would have been too late. Edie would have dunked it on on Akpara. You're yep. just under the right hook, and and you you're now down one. So if you want to do that, then sure. But you know, getting it to where you got to dig down off a good shooter, and it sucks because Morton's one of your best post entry passes passers. Yep. But now I don't think you want him doing that unless it's where Edie's got that duck in in the middle of the floor, because yep. then you can't help off. Um. And he's a capable shooter. I still believe that. I, I, mean, I do too. I don't think he's an awful shooter. And the the going crate two for seven from him, I'm not that mad at that. I yeah. mean, really, I'm not. And I I think, you know, the fact that he got seven up is probably a good thing because it keeps him honest. And you know, if they're not, he's had some bad air balls <laughs> this year. Um, but the reality is, he's still like on, even on low volume was a good shooter last year. So I I think. He just got to stay with it and he can rediscover that form. And the more that Smith and lawyer get going, you know, the more I think we'll get him really good looks. Um, he hasn't always had great, great looks this year. Yeah. Some of them have been open, but some of them have been a little rushed. And, and uh, I think more games like the Penn state game to keep a long story short that I just went on about like more games like the Penn state game, I think would be really make Purdue really hard to beat if he plays like that offensively and defensively. Yeah, for sure. Attacking closeouts, just keeping defenses honest. Um, I think that'll be big. So looking ahead, Purdue plays Nebraska at home on Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern is the tip time. Um, you know, Purdue already played Nebraska. They had a 65 to 62 overtime win. And that was what December 10th. Um, Purdue went seven for 29 from three. Nebraska double, triple teamed to Edie, who, uh, you know, he only had 11 points, 17 rebounds and seven <laughs> blocks. Um and I, you know, looking ahead, just a couple key points for me is I'm just going to expect a lot of the same. I think I don't see any reason. Nebraska, even when it's not against ED, they very much rotate, uh, pre-rotate, have a low man underneath the rim already. Like they're going to, again, just double, triple team ED mm-hmm. front side and then have the backside help. Um, it's going to come down to shooters. I think Purdue got a ton of good looks against Nebraska that just didn't fall. Yeah. I think they're shooting better now. Um, you know, I, I if Purdue hits even three to four more threes, it's, I don't think it's not even a game at that point. Um, I do expect Griezel to be a little better. He was two for 14 against Purdue last time. I think Morton's a really good matchup for him or Morton is a, Morton's a good defense defender to guard him is what I'm trying to say. Um, But, you know, I think Griezel probably get going a little bit. Edie's going to have to figure out Walker a little bit more on those like high posts where he kind of just takes off from 15 feet. Um, and then also I'm looking to be see if Smith's more aggressive again. He only took four shots in the first game. I expect, especially if Nebraska is going to double, triple team Edie, I expect Purdue to go a lot more pick and roll just to get Edie moving, um, make it harder to tag. Or if they do tag now, then just like against Penn State, it's going to be a kick out. And then you just, you know, I think the shooting's better, so you trust the, the shots to fall. 
So any, any key points you'll be looking at quickly before kind of. Yeah, I think uh, you covered all of it. Um, Purdue shooting. What is it? 35.6% from three in conference play. So um, yeah, obviously building in the Nebraska game there drags it down. Um, you know, the return to Mackey, the, the sort of off the court things that will make a team play hard, which is the last time you were here, you were humiliated students mm-hmm. being back. Um, the way they're playing right now, the fact that they get a week off, it, it seems to indicate a big Purdue win. Um, but we'll see. And, you know, anything can happen in the Big Ten. I think if they yeah. execute, as you talked about, if they execute, if Smith decides he's going to go into a shell, you know, then it's going to be a lot difficult for them. Uh, but the fact that they're playing the way they are, they seem to be on a roll. Um, Nebraska coming off a narrow win over Minnesota. Yeah. And they got to play a, a Illinois team that I think will be out for blood um tuesday so we'll yep. see i think it's i would expect a resounding purdue win but uh and then obviously look into mlk day for michigan state so we'll probably yeah. preview that one on the next pod the big 10 pod i guess a little bit but yeah uh yeah um uh, yeah sounds next monday yeah we'll figure it we'll definitely preview that at some point um yeah i don't yeah like i said i don't think there's really much else this is nebraska we were talking about teams with length nebraska kind of has length they start six seven six four six five six 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 nine mm-hmm. um so you know i guess it'll be another good test for smith that way now if he's still going to be confident even going against you know bandamel who's i think a fairly good defender yeah um, pretty physical yeah so, just be interesting um last thing we really wanted to touch on is so Oh, wow. Days, days blend together. Friday, I went to see uh, Miles Colvin play at Heritage Christian, took on Covenant Christian. Um, I know you've seen him. You've seen him a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Miles play like three or four times, probably. Yeah. So this was my first first game that I've seen. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he is a four star commit to Purdue. He'll be here uh, next year. 2023 commit. Um, I think he's ranked like 68th or something like that. Not that rankings entirely, entirely matter, but he, you know, very good player, very highly rated. Um, I'll start with just kind of what I've seen or what I saw from the game. And then you can kind of, you know, come in with, with, cause you've seen a little more. He had 32 points on super efficient shooting. It was, it was impressive. The shots that he was able to make and take um, specifically, you know, you, um, yeah, I, you would know more as covenant Christian. It's, they seem to be a solid team. Not, they're, they're okay. Smaller school, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but all the attention was on Colvin. Um, you know, he had at all times somebody just on him. And then usually the the focus of at least one to two other defenders. A lot of times he's running off double screens or staggers or that like baseline screen that um, Purdue loves to run a lot for like Newman. Um, so you can see kind of where Colvin will fit in or projects to fit in at Purdue. His footwork catching the ball and shooting, I thought was really good. I think he got into a shot really, really well in rhythm. Um like I said, a lot of it was off ball movement and then just kind of catch and shoot. And he has such a high jumper and release point that nobody could defend it. Um, I'll, you know, I want to see him more against some length if possible at some point this year, just to see how he reacts to that. Um, I think he did well getting to his pull up too. He didn't really get to the rim too, too much, um, at least in like a half court setting. Um, but I, you know, he got to the pull up and again, just such a high release point that like once he gets up, it doesn't really matter. He's a really good shooter. It seems, um, the athleticism is elite. I think it's, it's not Jay Nivey, which some people have kind of compared him to. I think it's a little different. It's a little more controlled, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of he's, he's, he has some, some dribble moves, I think, to kind of put defenders off balance before getting to that more explosive first step. 
but then he also had he had like two breakaway dunks where his head was at the rim he had he had one dunk that was like it was pretty much just a drop step two hand or off two feet dunk that his head was again just pretty much at the rim yeah. it looked so simple for him too that i was just like oh man um i think he's like six four six five two hundred pounds something like that so um the only thing that you know I wanted to see more of, well, two things is one getting to the rim a little bit more in the half court setting, but I know it's tough when you have legit four defenders on you. Um, and then the defense, I think the, there was a lack of focus at times, it very much just kind of gambling for steals because he's more athletic and can do it at times. Um, but I also think that he has the physical tools to do it. And, you know, at Purdue, if he doesn't buy in on the defensive end, he just won't play. So one of those things that yes, I would like to see it more in in high school, but I think it's something that you know will be a big big emphasis by Painter once he gets to Purdue. Yeah, and I think you know with Miles, the question has always been he hasn't won um, at the high school level, you know, yeah. and and they're a they're a small school, they're not playing um, the bigger schools in in Indianapolis, you know, they're they're. The best schools are Ben Davis and Cathedral and the Lawrence schools and Warren Central and those, those huge schools that, you know, Carmel, Westfield, that Braden and Fletch were playing, you know, at the 4A level. Um, Miles, until this year, was was actually at the 2A level in Indiana with Heritage Christian. They've moved up to 3A this year, um, I think. But um, so that that's the question. And then on the AAU circuit, he plays with Indy Nets, his dad's team, who don't they don't get to play a lot of the, they don't, you know, they play on a very small uh, independent AAU circuit. And so Miles has unbelievable tools. Um, He was able to play USA basketball three on three um, Mm -hmm. this year, played represented the country and won a gold medal with the three on three team, which is cool and obviously fits his game well. Um, But again, Miles has not had the chance to play a ton of high level competition and to your point, high level length. Um, But, like boy are the tools tantalizing and you know matt painter called him the best player in the state top 25 player in the country like um take his word like freaking yeah you know he doesn't really dish out praise like that very often so when you hear him compare you know Braden smith to peyton pritchard or say that about miles like it tells you what he thinks of him and 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 as much as like all that stuff is a question and it's been a point of criticism for some people for miles, like they've been better this year. They've been really good this year. Um, they're five and five, but all their losses are good. Uh, they beat a, a good Columbus North team, a four, a team that covenant team's pretty good. Uh, Park Tudor, um, I believe they beat them as well. No, they haven't played them yet, but they've got some good wins this year and, and really close losses to good teams like Garen Catholic, Linton Stockton, who have high level players. Um, and again, like you said, Miles is facing a ridiculous amount of attention, um, with that he, at the higher levels, maybe he wouldn't be, but you know, obviously he'd have better individual defenders on him. Um, so I think that there will be an adjustment. I would not expect lottery pick. Like I've seen some people saying like, maybe I guess down the road, but that seems a little far-fetched. He, he has some kinks in his game, especially defensively to work out. But he's as naturally talented probably as anyone on this Purdue roster, I would say, from a, mm-hmm. a physical perspective. Um, got a real repeatable shot for him. Great yeah, mechanics, right? I mean, gets to that step back. I don't know how much you saw of that, but I've seen I think that. he got to it once. Yeah, and he, he posts up quite a bit at the smaller levels I, as from what I've seen. Um, you know, so some stuff that's translatable, some stuff that's probably not at 6'5". But again, like, 
he needs to be able now with Fletch and Smith entrenched in the one and two, like Miles is going to need to be able to play the three and specifically guard the three. You know, yeah. you are who you can guard and he, he will need to be able to guard big 10 threes next year to get minutes, uh, which I think he can, but there will be an adjustment period. You know, Painter talks about that big IQ test he gives his freshman every year. Um, it's details like that, that I'm not sure Miles has had to, to do a whole lot, but mm-hmm. a lot of freshmen haven't had to do a whole lot at the, you know, but the fact that he's willing to come into Purdue's scheme, uh, Purdue's system, I should say, and kind of embrace that, I think he's got good people, you know, in his corner. I think his dad is obviously a huge supporter of of Purdue and his sister's here. So he's going to have a, a comforting environment. He knows Purdue very well. And I'm I'm really excited to see him in the in the gold and black. I think he's going to be certainly he's not going to redshirt next year. You, you can just tell physically he's ready. Yeah. But it's just more about the mental side of it. I think that'll that'll determine his his minutes in year one. And we want to uh, do some more recruiting maybe on this pod towards the end like we did today. So uh, Joe was able to go see Miles. I've seen him play. Uh, Catchings, obviously, I think Joe might try to go see him at some point. Yeah, I'm going to see him soon. I've seen him a few times. Jack Benner I've seen. Um, Floyd Bedunga, obviously, is a kind of far-fetched, but I've seen him a little bit as well. So um, some some interesting pieces that might be – that either are for sure or might be coming to Purdue in a few years. So, yeah, for sure. You know, especially um once the season ends too, we'll we'll get a lot into that too. Maybe maybe try to get some of them on, uh, which would be which would be cool. Yeah, so. I think that's a certainly gonna be a point of emphasis for us. Maybe even in a space setting where somebody could jump in and ask some questions. Yeah, um, would be pretty cool too. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have do you have anything else just Purdue related coming up? past whatever i'm good i'm i'm excited for friday and and even more so for monday we'll we'll record our big 10 portion later in the week and uh try to get that out to you guys we might we might the best course action might just be recording the purdue one monday after the msu game and yeah. after our post game show and then we could you know get that out tuesday morning or whatever the case may be but we're gonna try to be more consistent with it um yeah now that really, yeah yeah if you like the show share it um you know, we're trying to to be detailed and really give Purdue perspective that not a lot of people do because it's kind of not covered as much by a lot of people. So uh, if you enjoy it, share it, tell a friend. The Purdue fan base is strong, and I'm sure there's probably some interest, hopefully. so. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, no, looking to keep this going one to two a week, like I said. Um, you know, the general plan is like a Monday-ish record a Purdue one and then Thursday or so record a big 10. Um, not going to promise specific times or anything, but that that's kind of the plan going forward. You know, we both like a lot of, we watch a lot of big 10 basketball. We love watching Purdue basketball. Um, so looking forward to it. going to be really exciting big 10 season. We'll, we'll get into that more later in the week. So uh, where, where can they find you Aiden? Yeah. At Aiden Kunst on Twitter, A-I-D-A-N-K-U-N-S-T. Um, just, Sometimes share my thoughts, sometimes I don't, but uh, if I do, you can check me out there. So, yeah, for sure. And then if anybody's in the area, go to you know check out a West Lafayette high school basketball game. Absolutely. Uh, you see, see Aiden on the sideline coaching over there. So, um, you can find us at feed the post underscore on Twitter. Uh, we are on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So make sure to like and share those. Subscribe. Um, like I said, we're gonna, we're going to be consistent, and I think we, I like what we bring to the podcast space. Um, I, I think you know. Bring, bring some some details that that aren't always out there um 
speak we're talking too quickly about the apple google spotify if there is another source that you want us to be on just let us know and we can work on it um i just feel like i felt like those were the three main ones so that's where i'm at so feed the post apple google spotify at feed the post underscore on twitter um you can find me at joe underscore jackson 2210 on twitter i'll have i do you know film threads after every purdue game and then some big 10 games um depending on when this one specifically goes out my penn state purdue thread will either be up or about to be up so make sure you check that out and then yeah we will catch you guys thursday boiler up 